Well, hello. It is such a privilege for me to get to be here with you this morning. Uh, if you've been around the Yellow Box for a while, you might remember me a little bit. Um, I was on staff here at the Yellow Box for about four years until uh, about five years ago, moved down into the city of Chicago to, to launch our Lincoln Square campus. And so uh, I still live in the city, um, but I love this, this role that I, I get to play now in, in leading our teaching writing team. Um, and so thrilled for the opportunity to be here with you this morning. I hope that, that you and your family and your friends had a wonderful uh, Christmas weekend. It, it's almost hard to believe that it's already over, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, it's hard for me to believe it's already over, but, but Christmas has come and gone, and a new year is just around the corner, which means it's time for you-know-what. New Year's resolutions, right? New Year's resolutions. Now, how many of you actually make New Year's resolutions? Let me see your hands. Okay, some of you, actually, some of you are not fessing up to it because research t- says that 50% of us are going to make one or two New Year's resolutions. And you can probably guess what some of the most common, some of the favorite resolutions are. Just go ahead and shout them out to me. What are some of the most common resolutions? Weight loss. I heard get fit, get in shape. Any other ones you think of? Stop smoking is a big one. Yeah, debt reduction is a big one. And and about 50% of us are going to tackle one or two of those. Now, the other 50% of us... We scoff at the idea of New Year's resolutions. If you're in that group, why don't you raise your hand here? Okay, great. A lot of cynical people, just what a teaching team pastor wants to see. <laughs> but yeah, a lot of us, we, we, we don't want to make any kind of New Year's pledge. And I get that. I mean, maybe we've been there. We've done that. We've fallen flat on our face. And the last thing we want to do is commit ourselves to what can feel like a futile endeavor. But maybe you're contemplating whether or not to make a resolution this year. And so we thought we would turn to Jimmy Fallon for a little help. I mean, maybe you saw this last year. Jimmy Fallon's New Year's resolutions pros and cons list. And I will be taking a look at the pros and cons of making a New Year's resolution. It's 2015. People out there trying to make changes to their lifestyle. Let's take a look at the pros and cons of making a New Year's resolution. Here we go. Pro, setting realistic goals for yourself that are actually attainable. Con, like drinking more and gaining weight. I'm going to gain 20 pounds this year. (laughs) Pro, pledging to worry less about work and spend more time golfing. Con, remembering you're still president until 2016. (laughs) Job's not over yet. Pro, making a resolution to get in shape. Con, the shape you were referring to is melting pumpkin. <laughs> Interesting shape. It's not a good shape. No. Well, it's one of the new Girl Scout cookies. Is that right? Yeah. Melting, melting pumpkin. pumpkin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, pro, finally fitting into a 34 waist again. Con, realizing you haven't been that size in over 20 years, and now the only thing you have that fits are hammer pants. That's a comeback in style. Can't touch that. They never went out. Thank no. you. And finally, pro making a resolution to stop procrastinating con starting tomorrow. There you go. That's the pros and cons. I love that. Melting pumpkin. I think that's one I could actually achieve. You know, anyone with me on that? 
Well, today, uh, as Sherry said, we are in our last week of our series, and, and, and this series is called The Thrill of Hope. And if you've not been with us for the previous weeks, what we've been doing is we've been looking at the classic song, O Holy Night, and we've been looking at phrases or, 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 or uh, just stanzas from that song and, and, and understanding what it tells us about the meaning of Christmas. Now, whether it's been the weary world rejoices or the soul felt its worth or till he appeared, what we've discovered is that on that holy night, the night of Christmas, God came near and he changed the course of everything. Today, as we conclude this series, we're going to talk about how on that holy night, on that Christmas day, God ushered in a new day. Now, any guesses as to which phrase in the song that we're looking at today? I'll give you a little hint. For yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. A new and glorious morn. Christmas ushered in a new day. Now, earlier we poked a little bit of fun at New Year's resolutions. But before we get too cynical about them, I I want us to consider this. Dr. John Norcross is a clinical psychologist from the University of Scranton in Pennsylvania, and he's considered to be the leading researcher on New Year's behavior change. And what he did was he did a study with about uh, 400 people that he tracked for a little over two years. And what he found uh, was pretty fascinating. Okay, as he tracked these people, he put them into two groups. Group one was made of those that were contemplating changes. I mean, this group, they wanted to make changes in their lives, but they just didn't want to commit to those changes around New Year's. Okay, so that was group one. Now, group two was the New Year's resolution. These were people that wanted to make New Year's resolutions and commit to change at the first of the year. And here's what Dr. Norcross discovered. He tracked those in group one, those who were contemplating changes at New Year's, but waited until a later date to try to make those changes. And what he found was that two weeks after they committed to those changes, 51% of them had stuck with it. Okay, that's not too bad. I mean, that's more than half, right? Just barely more than half. But what he also found was at six months, only 4% had stuck with the change. And here's where this gets interesting. When you look at the second group, the New Year's resolution group, at two weeks, 71% had stuck with the change. But the biggest difference came at the six-month mark. At six months, 46% of the New Year's resolution group had stuck with that change. What he found was those who chose New Year's as the time to uh, to, to implement changes in their lives, they were 10 times more successful at sustaining those changes at the six-month mark than those who who tried to make changes at another time. And, And here's where I'm going with this. While some of us are resistant to making much of a new year, and we scoff at the idea of New Year's resolutions, it may just be that now is the perfect time to have a fresh start. Because let's face it, I mean, some of us are in need of a new day, aren't we? And I'm not just talking about traditional resolutions about weight loss or exercise. I'm talking about letting God transform our lives. I mean, letting God lead us to a new and a glorious morn. 
I mean, why not choose now as the time for that? Understand, Christmas ushered in a new day. And the good news is that Christmas isn't something that just happened. It happens. It's not about turning over the page in a calendar. It's about encountering a Savior who was born and letting him transform our tomorrows. I mean, Christmas means that we can have a fresh start. A fresh start in our relationship with God. A fresh start in our relationships with others. A fresh start in every area of our lives. And just in case you doubt whether it's really possible for you to experience a new and glorious morn, today we're going to look at the life of a man who was probably the last person that anyone imagined would change. But what we're going to find is that if transformation was possible for Paul, it's possible for anyone. Now you may have heard of Paul before. He's kind of a hall of famer when it comes to the beginning of Christianity. I mean, he planted dozens of churches around the region. I mean, he helped thousands and thousands of people find their way back to God. And he also wrote many of the the books that make up the New Testament of our Bibles. But before all of that, Paul's life was on a very different path. I mean, here's how he describes it himself In Galatians 1, he says, For you have heard of my former way of life in Judaism, how I was savagely persecuting the church of God and trying to destroy it. Now understand, savagely persecuting, that was not an overstatement. To understand this a little bit better, let's back up and and, and look at his former life. You see, Paul, he was born and raised in a city called Tarsus, which was a Roman province, which made him a Roman citizen. But he was also Jewish, and so he had a Hebrew name, and that name was Saul. Okay, so this morning as we talk about Saul and Paul, understand, same guy. You know, kind of like P. Diddy, Puff Daddy, same guy, okay? (laughs) Saul and Paul. Now, as a young adolescent, Saul went to Jerusalem for his formal education, and he was trained by by the best rabbi of that day, and he excelled. I mean, he became a Pharisee a religious leader, and all his training and all his experience led him to believe that the idea of a crucified Messiah was not only impossible, but it was offensive. So after Jesus' death and resurrection, when the Christian church was just beginning to form, Saul was determined to stop it. I mean, he traveled all around the region, arresting anyone that he could find that was a follower of Jesus. And not only that, he stood by and watched and approved as many of them were murdered. Now, let me just stop us here for a second. And I want to ask you to put yourself into Paul's shoes. If that was your past, how do you think you would feel about it? I mean, can you imagine the shame, the regret, the failure? My guess is, Many of us know a thing or two about carrying around shame, carrying around regret. Yet when Paul looked back on his past, this is what he said. He said, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind, forgetting it, and straining towards what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward, In Christ Jesus, forgetting what is behind. I mean, that's a pretty bold statement for a guy with Paul's past. But here is something that he understood that we need to embrace as well. Moving into a new and glorious morn 
requires that we leave a few things behind. Maybe a few failures, several regrets, a broken relationship, a wound that was received, maybe a misguided pursuit or two. Did you have any of those in 2015? You know, as you look back at this last season of your life, are there things that you need to leave behind? I mean, things you need to just let go of, things you need to intentionally forget so that you can move forward. I mean, maybe they happened in the calendar year 2015. Maybe they happened long before. You know, as I started looking back on this past year, I mean, there are things that I regret. You know, most of them have to do with how I've handled situations as a leader in the church. And there are times when I think I dropped the relational ball when I should have picked it up. I mean, there are times when I look back and I think, well, gosh, if I had handled that situation differently, uh, maybe there would have been a different outcome. And the most painful for me have been the time when I've seen friends who, who have walked away from our community, walked away from our church, and maybe it's because of something I did or didn't do. And if I dwell on those things, I mean, I can just get discouraged, maybe even a little depressed. But in Philippians, Paul is saying to us, now is the perfect time to forget those regrets, those failures, those misguided pursuits, whatever they may be. Now is the perfect time to forget them and to strain towards what is ahead. Let's move forward toward the goal, a new beginning, a fresh start, a new and glorious morn. When you can't change the past, it's best to just leave it in the past and move forward. When Paul says, forgetting what is behind, Understand, there was a lot behind for him to forget. But remember, if a new and glorious morn is possible for Paul, it's possible for anyone. So what was it? I mean, what enabled him to step into this new day? Well, let's take a look at the most important event in Paul's life. We might call it his New Year's Day. If we take a look at catch up with him in Acts 9, he's on his way to a town called Damascus where he's going to arrest Christ followers. And Luke tells us that he is breathing out murderous threats. I mean, murderous threats against followers of Jesus. He is out for blood. But then something unexpected happens. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him and he fell to the ground and he heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replied. I mean, can you imagine this happening to you? You know, this apocalyptic flash of light and this booming voice from heaven calling your name. I mean, if that was me, I'm pretty confident I'd need a new pair of underwear. <laughs> now, maybe Jesus hasn't approached you or I like that. But I think he has tried to get our attention in other ways. Uh, through a friend who's expressed concern. Through a family member who's asked for a change. Through a message at church that's challenged us to grow. You see, I believe that Jesus is constantly calling out to us, inviting us to a new and glorious morn. You see, when God sees you, he's not just calling you away from your past. He's also calling you to a new future, 
a new day. I wonder, what is God calling you to today? How did Saul enter his new day? Well, first, he simply says a yes to. He says a yes to a new future, a yes to a new day, a yes to a new way. Understand, with this bright light, and and despite this bright light, and despite this, this booming voice, I mean, Saul could have run in the other direction. I mean, Lord knows there have been times when I run in the other direction when Jesus has called me to. But Saul doesn't. He picks himself up off the ground and he says, yes to a new day. So Jesus tells him to go into the city and wait for further direction. Now there's one additional twist in the story. You see, Saul is blinded. He now can't see the road ahead. He doesn't know where this this new future is leading him. Ever feel like that? when you step into a new day. But, but he moves forward. He takes the next step anyway. He moves forward trusting that Jesus is going to show him the way as he starts out on this new path. And as he moves forward, there's another thing that helps Saul step into this new and glorious morning. And I love this next part of the story. As Saul sits in Damascus, blind and unable to eat, God speaks to another man in the city, a man by the name of Ananias. He's a Christ follower. And God tells Ananias to go to Saul. Now, I don't really understand how Ananias hears this. The Bible just says he gets this vision that he is to go to Saul. But, but I, I kind of relate to his reaction. I mean, he doesn't want to do it. After all, can you blame him? I can imagine him going, um, Lord, you, you know who this is, right? I mean, this is the guy who came here to arrest people like me. I mean, this is a guy who wants to see people like me murdered. I can relate to that because so many times I think when Jesus calls me to something, I find myself thinking, God, I don't want to do that. God, it seems so hard. It seems too difficult. Isn't there someone else? But God assures Ananias that, yes, this is the direction I'm asking you to go. And thankfully, Ananias obeys. He goes to Saul, and God uses him to restore Saul's sight And he helps Saul find his way back to God. You see, Saul didn't move forward on his own. In order to move into a new day, he had to say a yes with. I mean, he needed help from other people. It's one of the things I love in this story because Ananias is relatively obscure. And he plays a significant role in the history of what God is doing in this moment, but otherwise he's relatively obscure. He kind of reminds me of a a cymbal player in an orchestra. You know, during the whole piece, he just sits there doing nothing. And then you get to the crescendo of the song, and he stands up and he clangs those two things together and then sits down until the end of the piece. Yet when the orchestra rises at the end of the song and takes their bow, there's the cymbal player bowing right along with them. You see, Ananias, his role is small, but it's significant to the overall story. He's not an apostle. We never hear about him in the New Testament again. Yet in this moment, he steps up to the plate and understands Saul doesn't become Paul, the most influential leader in the history of the early church. He doesn't become Paul without Ananias. You know, Paul's transformation, it is one of the most remarkable transformations of a person in the history of time. And remember, if a new and glorious morn is possible 
for Paul. It's possible for anyone. So let me ask you again. Are you in need of a new day? Could you use a new beginning? Are you ready for a new and glorious morn? Why not choose now as the time for that change? What is it that you need to say yes to? You know, some of us here need to say yes to finding our way back to God. We've been living on our own way for far too long. It's time for us to return to the arms of our loving Father. It's time for us to go public with our commitment to him through baptism. Maybe it's time for us to to start living with our lives oriented around Jesus for real. Not just in words, but in the way that we actually are living our lives. Some of us need to find our way back to God. Some of us need to say yes to a new chapter in our relationships. I mean, old destructive patterns need to be left behind. Hurts need to be forgotten. Some of us need to say yes to a risk that God is asking us to take. I mean, fear has held us back for far too long. It's time. It's time to move forward. Some of us need to say yes to a reordering of our priorities to choose the things that matter most. Some of us need to say yes to healthier ways of living. I don't know what it is for you, but I think that God is calling every one of us to say yes to a new day, a new and glorious morn. Why not choose now as the time for that? But it's not just saying yes to that'll help us move into that new day. It's also saying yes with You see, we all need an Ananias or two in our lives, people who will walk alongside us, people who will challenge us, people who would encourage us and help us have the courage to say yes to the new day God is calling us to. But here's the thing. Not only do we need an Ananias in our lives, we also need to be Ananias for someone else. Who do you need to say yes with? And if you're not yet in a small group, getting in a small group, getting connected in a small group may be the thing that you need in order to move into your new day. You can't do it on your own. If you already have a small group, if you already have a circle of Christ followers around you, maybe you need to say yes to getting real with a couple people that can really know what's going on in your life and that you can really know what's going on in their life. Who do you need to say yes with? Because we all need an Ananias. We need an Ananias to help us and we also need to be Ananias for someone else. We need to walk alongside one another and remind one another that no matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, no matter what's been done to you, a new and glorious morn is possible for you today because on a holy night 2,000 years ago, God ushered in a new day. Oh, holy night. When the stars are brightly shining, it is the night of our dear Savior's birth. Long lay the world in sin and error, pining till he appeared and the soul felt its worth, a thrill of hope. The weary world rejoices for yonder breaks a new and 
glorious morn. Are you in need of a new and glorious morn this morning? Why not choose now as the time? Why not choose now to forget what is behind and to press forward toward the goal? Paul said yes to his new day. And he and his friends ended up changing the world. And we can too. Let's say yes to all that God has for us in this new year. We might just find that it's something glorious. Let's pray. God, I believe that you are a God who moves. Jesus, that you are constantly calling us to follow. And so this morning, Lord, I believe that you are calling each one of us to a new day. I don't know what the particulars are for each person in this room, but I believe that you can speak to each one of us personally. God, I pray that today you give us the faith to trust you that you'd give us the courage to say yes. God, that you would bind us as a community moving forward together. Because, Lord, I believe that what you have in store for us is a new and glorious morn, and we want to walk with you into it. God, don't let us let today pass by. We know now is the perfect time to say yes to you. So this morning, God, we say yes to you. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.